this album much more of a collaborative effort compared to the first album, which was kind of absolutely getting it done and rushed out. And you guys got to kind of be a band for a few and yeah. and and bring in everybody's ideas this time around. Talk about that and, and the writing process for this one. Yeah, sure. Well, so definitely, Birth and the Burial was was much more Sean and I going. You know, we want to get this out as quickly as possible. And at the time that we were writing the material, we were also forming the band and coming up with the the ideas of, of you know the, the band name, the logo, the shopping for the label, all that crazy stuff at the same time. So we definitely felt a huge sense of urgency with that one. But this one, um, obviously, we all came into it together. We the the process started out the same with us each kind of presenting demos. Um, but then once we collectively had all the demos, then we then we collectively got together and started looking at what was best for either the chorus or the arrangement of the song or tempos, you know, things like that. We spent a lot of time, I think, crafting the song in general this time, and it was much more of a group effort. Um, yeah. It's best for the team, almost like a sports team. Absolutely, you know, and, and I even... Uh, you know, I even make a, a point where uh, Henry and I both agreed that there was this one uh, vocal line that we thought should be sung cleaner, and it was on one of Matt's uh, demos. And so we, we tried it both ways, and we agreed with Henry and I. were like, yeah, it should be sung clean, and so we recorded it clean. And then when it came to do finals, Sean and Matt were like, no, that's got to be sung heavy. And uh, so I, you know, I didn't agree with that. But ultimately, I think because it was Matt's song, I was like, Matt gets to say, and and uh, so we sang it heavy. What do you remember? What song that was? I think that was another killing spree. Was that another killing spree? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also like compromise is, is definitely important in any band or, or group or whatever. You know, unless I mean, look, if if you know if 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 one person doesn't feel like they have the you know input or or uh, if one person doesn't feel like they're being respected in terms of what their vision is in their writing the song there's a problem yeah so, you know it's like you have to really respect you know someone's musicianship and and their you know their contribution you know in a band like I, I think a lot of people they they try to kind of pick things apart and you know when when sometimes compromise is like the best mm -hmm. the best thing you can do you know each each has their own 25 percent so to speak in the band yeah but you know it's 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 not that simple either there's a lot of gray areas you know yeah. it's, it's tricky too it's like you know it's one of those things where like art is one of those things where it's like man no no we, we just have to make the, the best art we possibly can but you know it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's not like one of those those things that's like black and white. It's like, well, he wrote this part and I did this, yeah. and it's like, oh, we we all like, you know, it's. What do we got coming up touring wise? Well, we just announced yesterday a uh, tour in March for okay. the U.S. So we're going to be going out with the band Shattered Sun. Oh, okay. And uh, it's going to kick off in San Diego, and it's going to end in. Uh, it's going to end in California as well, um, but I can't. There is SoCal, LA, there Orange is, County, uh, IE. Slide Bar in Fullerton. Oh, okay. You guys so, played there before. Yeah, yeah. It's going to come on home, I think. <laughs> <laughs> At least they've got good food there. Right? Yeah, good little venue and the the uh, Lemmy statue. 
not at not at uh, Slide Bar. That's did, at uh, well, the actual, the actual one. But there is a wooden or something, huh? No, I know that one for sure, and the lucite glass and everything. But but there is one at the Slide Bar. They did have one when when Lemmy first went. I don't know. Oops, I don't think it's permanently there. So we got that to look forward to this spring. Yep. Okay. Cool. And then. Uh, after that, we have some stuff that we can't really announce yet, but it will be doing. We'll be going out again in June, and then also uh, we are going to Europe in August. Okay. So we're playing some festivals out there, and uh, we're also going to be doing some headlining and also opening dates for various bands. I'm not sure if I can announce it yet. Okay. So, okay. Fair but, enough. But we're going to be out on the road for sure. So it's good. plenty of opportunity to see Active Defiance in 2018. Yes. Being that you guys are on Metal Blade, did you read Brian's book? I did. I, I, I bought a copy from him personally, had him sign it, and, you know, like... What was your biggest takeaway from reading that? Just, you know, he's he's like an OG. He, he's, <laughs> he's like an original gangster, man. You know, like you don't... He's you like don't, Yoda. Well, you don't get to be... You don't, you don't get to have a legacy like that and not be a fan and... You know, he's another one of those guys that stuck to his guns. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he didn't sell the label, didn't didn't sell out to the point where he was, you know, completely going to be, you know, disconnected from the whole thing or detached from the whole thing. You know, in terms of like, I mean, it happens. It's it's crazy how money can completely destroy like one's vision in terms of like, you know, I don't know. But he's. And he really had his fingerprints on everybody. That's the crazy part. Like it seemed like he was involved in everything beyond his band. Even, yeah, you know? I, well, it's cool. It's, it's cool. Like I, I remember like getting those Metal Masker CDs, those compilations, and, and thinking like, man, wouldn't it be cool to be on one of those compilations one day? Life is strange. You know? <laughs> Did you read it, Chris? Uh, no, I uh-huh. have not. But uh, but I do. Like I went to his book signing, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really awesome to just see like what a fan he was back when he was starting to put together the bands and with Betsy Bitch and you know Armored Saint back in the day Lizzie Borden and yeah. I was like I mean first Slayer he album was, yeah the first Slayer album you know the early Metallica stuff like pretty amazing like how he he manufactured it just because he's a fan just out of the love yep. that's why we all do it right yep. I mean hopefully hopefully that's why we all do it at least we all do it for that reason him included but curious for you guys too uh you know, everyone always wants to talk to you about Megadeth, but I'm curious about Metallica for you. And, right. And band that, that we all love as being metalheads. Yeah, absolutely. Band I fell in love with and then fell out of love. I was I was that guy when they cut their hair and did load and reload and was like, nah. But I've seen the errors of my ways and it's come full circle and the last album was really good. I saw them on the stadium tour. Right. Fell back in love with them. So I'm kind of asking everybody, what was your Metallica discovery moment what was that first song you heard what well, took actually, me back to that moment so for me it was when i was really young and i i heard some of ride lightning but i think it was a little beyond my mentality then um so my most fond moment was actually uh when i got into high school started hanging around with this band in uh, colorado called onyx rook and they played 
of Master of Puppets. Like, they were like, we wish we were a Metallica band, you know? <laughs> they were awesome guys, and we hung out and had, you know, just such killer times together. And, and when I heard them play it, then I was like, well, where is this music coming from? And Master of Puppets became my quintessential Metallica album, and it always will be. And the song? The do? song, probably Battery. Okay. Yeah. I would say that, you know, I mean, it could be so many, but uh, that one, I love I loved the classical guitar entrance, and I love the buildup of the harmonies and stuff like that, so that would be the song for me. How about for you, Henry? Man, I'm a huge fan of James Heffield, man. I mean, there's there's a reason why he's like everyone's favorite guitar player in terms of like rhythm guitar and um it's all about the right hand right it is man but i've I've always been like fascinated with him just as a dude like i i've always like got the vibe that he was like a really cool guy i've never met him personally but like definitely a guy that doesn't overexpose himself too much well yeah man he's 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 old school and he loves like a lot of like you know really cool like old country stuff and it just you know Grew up kind of like humble beginnings, I think, and, and and still has a lot of that about him still, you know. Yeah. So I, I appreciate like guys like that. But um, do you yeah. remember that first moment you heard Metallica? Oh yeah, of course, man. You know, it, what song was it? Take it, me back to that moment. It was um, so. I used to think it was was um, one because like Justice, you know, came out and then that was like their first video. But then, but then it wasn't. Like I heard um, I heard a. Um, a guy like across the street jamming a riff and it turned out to be something on garage days and i heard that um and then of course you know quickly discovered like you know master puppets and the whole catalog and and everything and and um but yeah man i i don't know in terms of like the big four they will always be number one do you have a, a, a number one jam from metallica is there a particular song um, just a big one. The shortest straw, man. Uh, just it's it's like that, you know. I, I don't know. I, I I can't even go there. It's just godly, you know. Now I got to ask the question with the no bass song. I, what do you think? Do you think they do this reissue? There's some talk they're going to do a reissue and add the bass in. How do you feel? I, I, me personally, like they're Metallica, so they can do whatever they want. <laughs> but I don't care for that when bands do that. You know, I I like I'd I, I think be the way it was. Well, it's an album in time it represents yeah. it represents where they were at that time and i think it's important that it the album speaks for itself you don't have to go in and redo it and bring you know what i mean like i just hate when bands do that yeah. you know just like it it's perfect it might not be like the industry standard in terms of like you sonically know, yeah but it's I, I think you'd have to agree with me. It's like you can't. You probably can't imagine hearing it any other way. No, I, I've, I mean I looked on YouTube like that. Oh, and, that, and Jason for all, and, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, they're yeah. adding just, the bass back in. It's cool to hear what those actual bass parts are, but I don't want them released. Well, I like what like, even Jason himself. He's like, no, it sounds good to me. You yeah. know? I mean, obviously he's not an idiot. He knows that you know there's some bottom end missing, but it, it's like if you're a fan of that record and you you can't, you just can't imagine hearing it I don't want to hear it in any other way and I love that record but let me get this from you guys you, you mentioned the big four and I've been thinking about kind of the next generation the big four is a couple of years old now so that was thrash 80s metal so I'm trying to think okay what was the next kind of big movement especially being a radio guy and I've come up with the flannel five 
All right. Okay. I know where this is going. So we're talking Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden. I love all those bands. We uh, had to pick one. Give me one. Easy. Alice in Chains all day. Yeah, I would, so Alice in Chains is awesome, but I there the some of those bands that I would not listen to, like Nirvana, I was never a fan of. Me but, neither. But um, Alice in Chains to me, like with the lyric content and the vibe of their music, it's like they transcended uh, grunge metal in my yeah. mind. And I would really, I would want to, my vote goes to kick off one of those bands that you say, you call the Flannel Five, and add Pantera in there. But that's a whole different movement, like... Yeah, but they had their own kind of flannel going on. They did, they did for sure, but they're on an island of, they're in like that Metallica stratosphere, I think, where like, they're their own thing right. versus well, this time period. The flannel thing is just like silly because like, you know, there were tons of bands obviously wearing flannel like before and, you know, that, that whole thing came from the grudge thing, like the media coined it as, right. as being such, as you know, Right. but um, yeah, it's, it's just funny that the flannel thing became like a Seattle look because, you know, it was just like, no. It was, it was, we all look like that. Well, we were all wearing flannel. Yeah, and it was 90s. cheap, and it was just like half of those bands like shopped at like Goodwill or whatever, you know? <laughs> it's like they, they right. had to save they had to save all their money to buy records, you know, and or instruments or whatever. And, and it's like clothes were secondary, but, you know. Last question for you guys. Another kind of opinion thing. One thing I always rail about on the radio that I really miss from today from compared to back in the day is movie and music and soundtracks. When you had that perfect marriage, I think the last one was probably Linkin Park and Transformers, where you kind of saw that. I think the perfect example was like Guns N' Roses, Terminator 2. Right. You can't think of, you could be mine, you hear that song, you think of the movie, you watch the movie, you think of Terminator, you think of Guns N' Roses. And I miss those days, but curious if you guys have like a soundtrack that used to wear out back in the day, a rock and roll soundtrack from back in the day that used to wear out. I I had several. What comes Do you to have mind? any? No. No. I mean, I've heard, obviously I've heard rock and metal in movies, but I, I've never bought a soundtrack to hear those songs or anything like that. You know, one of the coolest soundtracks, and it still holds up today, is the Crow soundtrack. I knew you were going to say that. Well, I mean, think, I knew you were gonna well, think, about the, think about the diversity on it. First of all, you had bands like Pantera. And, to the Cure. And The Cure, which I love. That's one of my favorite Cure songs. Mine too. Um, and, and you know, you had like you had like this like indie alternative kind of thing, but you had a bunch of like kind of hard rock metal bands on there. But Helmet. It's, yeah, great, great tracks, man. And, you know, I feel like that's one of those soundtracks that you can you can listen to from start to finish because it's, it's so, like, amazing, like, you know. It takes you completely in the movie to you listen to songs you're in the movie. At yeah, the and I feel, I've, I feel like that is totally missing from like the whole you know from film in, in general but definitely from like the Hollywood perspective it doesn't it felt like such a good marriage for so long I mean I guess I guess it's cheaper for them to have a kid with the keyboard make sound alikes or whatever and spend more money on special effects but I miss those days like that Mad Max movie that came out a couple years ago dude driving through the desert with the Marshall stacks behind him right. playing guitar it's like why does that not have a soundtrack behind it right well, I, I, I have I have an answer for you there, and I'm, I'm sure that you can, you know, that you might feel the same way partially is that, like, music has, in the States for sure, the past, you know, decade or whatever, and it's getting worse, has become a secondary form of entertainment. Yeah. Now it's all about, like, you know, people have short attention spans and, like, you know, 
the only the only like place that kids like even care about hearing music is like if in a video game right or you know like on YouTube if it's for five minutes at a time it's like people's attention spans just aren't there and you know the yeah of course you know you know film and TV is there's still licensing you know thinks is that what they call it and yeah there's there's still licensing a lot of music and stuff but it's it's not anywhere near as like where it used to be in terms of looking for original content yeah. because that magic is gone it's just in in the states like you know music is not important entertainment wise anymore I hate it. It, it's it's sad it really is it really is well thank you guys so much for the time